Welcome to Champion Church of the Nazarene's weekly sermon podcast. What's the plan? We often ask this question in life in different contexts, but what about when we ask God what the plan is? In our first message in our new series, Studying Ephesians, we'll begin to understand the plan God has for all of us. Today, we're beginning a brand new series, a series that is simply titled Ephesians. That's it. Nothing else. Now, we're going to be in the book of Ephesians for the next few weeks. Uh, There's not this, this major theme like we had previously. Rather, we're just going to journey with this letter that was sent to the early church, a number of early churches, actually. And within this letter is some really amazing direction for how we can live faithfully to God. In fact, there's some parts of the letter that we're surprised that there is such guidance, and it sort of might hit us right where we are, and we might think to yourself, oh, maybe, maybe God does want me to live in a, in a different way than I have been. And the most amazing part about this letter is that it starts with this amazing declaration, this proclamation. It's, well, it's, it's good news. Do you like good news, everyone? How many of you like good news? How many of you like bad news? Some of us do like bad news because we watch the news all the time. <laughs> good news for new life. That is what today is all about. And I want to begin by asking a simple question, a question that you have asked or you have been asked yourself. What's the plan? You ever been asked that before? You ever asked that before, right? A plan is the how to accomplish something, right? And we're always asking this question. It might be within your own family or friend circle, and you might be getting together with them for, for, for an evening, and you might ask them, hey, what's the plan? And your, your intent is to find out, what are we going to do tonight? Are we going to eat? Are we going to go to a movie? Are we going to go bowling? All these different kinds of, what's the plan for tonight, right? You want, a, you want to be led in on the expectation of what the, tonight, what, what the evening's going to be, right? But then there's also other moments where we see that question asked. For example, I think about a lot of heist movies these days. If you ever watched a heist movie, like, for example, Ocean's Eleven or The Italian Job, these are all movies that are now 15 years old, and I'm realizing that it's not relevant anymore. But that's besides the point. Uh, (laughs) These movies are a group of, of thieves, right? And basically, the entire first hour is getting everyone together and sort of putting some of the pieces together, and hey, this is what we're gonna do to to get this guy, and it's compelling. Heist movies are compelling because it's not only the how, but it's also the personal vendettas that each of them have, right? French Connection's a heist movie, right? We can go back further, right? Okay. Or is that Bullet? I don't know, I'm getting mixed up. We hear this question in public discourse. We ask people who we're about to vote for, what's your plan to fix this problem, right? 
We hear what's the plan all the time. But then when we begin to think about our own lives and our relationship with God, we begin to ask this question about God. Have you ever asked that question to God? Hey, God, what is your plan for me? And that's a big question, right? It feels like a big question. Because, quite frankly, it could go anywhere. What's most interesting about this is that this question, if you talk to people who believe in Christ, who have faith in God, this answer also varies. Some people don't have this clear plan, and some people seem to have a completely clear plan. And again, at the end of the day, we might find ourselves frustrated because this person might have a clear plan and this one really doesn't know what's happening, right? How is this all going to happen? What is the how for my life? What is the how for my day? What is the how for my year? How is this going to happen? In the very beginning of Ephesians, in this letter, Paul is writing to a church that is young and trying to get them to understand where everything is going. If you read the, the update this past week, I shared with you how the church in Ephesus was founded. It was founded by Paul just traveling into Ephesus one day. He actually went in to go and, and, and share the good news about Jesus Christ, that he is risen and new life and forgiveness and everything is available to all, but he was kicked out. Well, I mean, people weren't listening in the synagogue. I don't know if he was kicked out. So he left and he went and, and, and shared the good news at a lecture hall for two years. He had a ministry there for two years. And people began to be baptized in the name of Jesus Christ and they began to bring about healing and bring about justice in a city that was filled of ideas of addressing the problems of the world. In fact, Ephesus was a major economic hub. It was a major political hub. It was also a hub of ideas and philosophies and religions and mystical things and all that. It actually really sounds a lot like the world that we live in today where there is a lot of different philosophies and a lot of different religions and a lot of different, well, power and economic things right here within the, the world, that the society that we live in. That might not be true for every context. And as this church is founded, Paul is either A, called somewhere else, B, pushed out, or C, imprisoned. Some of the, the exact chronological order is sometimes difficult. But Ephesians is often attributed to when Paul is in prison. Because Paul is sharing that the good news of Jesus Christ, well, quite frankly, it makes powerful people angry. It subverts the powers of the day. And so he writes this letter to be circulated in this young church. And they're wondering, how in the world do I live this life? And so he begins by saying, this is the plan. Here's the plan. Not just for you individually, but for the entire universe. It's a big, big beginning to a letter. And so we're going to read in Ephesians chapter 1, beginning with verse 3. 
And if you have your Bibles or your phones, you can get it out. It will also be on the screen in front here. But listen to these words. These are big, big ideas, big proclamations, big truths that will forever shake the lives of the Ephesians and our lives to our core. It will forever change how we see the world. Ephesians 1, chapter 3, or 1, verse 3. Bless the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. He has blessed us in Christ with every spiritual blessing that comes from heaven. God chose us in Christ to be holy and blameless in God's presence before the creation of the world. God destined us to be his adopted children through Jesus Christ because of his love. This was according to his goodwill and plan and to honor his glorious grace that he has given to us freely through the Son whom he loves. We have been ransomed through his Son's blood and we have forgiveness for our failures based on his overflowing grace, which he poured over us with wisdom and understanding. God revealed his hidden design to us, which is according to his goodwill and plan that he intended to accomplish through his Son. This is what God planned for the climax of all times. To bring all things together in Christ. The things in heaven along with the things on earth. We have also received an inheritance in Christ and we were destined by the plan of God who accomplishes everything according to his design. We are called to be an honor to God's glory because we were the first to hope in Christ. You too heard the word of truth in Christ, which is the good news of your salvation. You were sealed with the promised Holy Spirit because you believed in Christ. The Holy Spirit is the down payment on our inheritance, which is applied toward our redemption as God's own people, resulting in the honor of God's glory. Immediately when I read this passage, the words that stick out are very early on. And anytime that you use the word destiny, plan, you sort of just move to that because, quite frankly, we want to know. We want to know. When you begin to use words like destined or planned, you begin to wonder, okay, so if God has this particular plan or this destiny for everyone, what you begin to ask is, how much control do I actually have in my life? How much free will do I actually have? And guess what? This is a conversation that happens ad nauseum within the church. <laughs> in fact, there are complete traditions that debate back and forth of how much does God actually work out intimately and individually and how much control do you have? And what is, what's predestination? All these different kinds of things. Paul doesn't write these words for us to go into the abyss of questions. Paul is sharing right here and right now. What's the big picture? Why did God send his son to save the world? Why did God send the Son to save me and you?
And Paul plainly shares what the plan is. You know why? Because understanding the larger story helps us understand our story within the bigger story. Did you hear that? Understanding the bigger story helps us see our place in that bigger story. Paul is opening the minds of those in Ephesus to understand why Jesus would love you and me and them in this world. And what we do in response to that. What is the larger story? What is the climax? That God has saved us in Jesus Christ. He has brought forgiveness of sins. He has defeated death. And we have been raised for new life today that leads to everlasting life after our time here through the resurrection. But he hasn't just saved us and raised us. His plan is to reconcile all things under him. To bring everything under Jesus Christ. It's very plain in verse 10. This is what God has planned for the climax of all times. This has been what God has been doing since the very beginning of time and what he will be doing until the end comes to bring the entire creation, the entire universe under him to bring redemption and reconciliation. And it's not just you and me. It is all things in heaven and all things on earth. Jesus doesn't do what he does just to save you. He does it to save all of us. He does it to save the creatures. He does it to save the entire universe that he is Lord over. It's bigger than you. It's bigger than me. It's bigger than champion. It's bigger than just planet Earth. Jesus has brought redemption for the entire universe. And he is Lord of that universe. So when we ask the question to God, hey God, what's your plan for me? Doesn't it feel so small compared to the reality that Paul has just shared with us? It does. But the beautiful thing about this is that Paul not only shares where the story is going, he also shares... He shares the plan for us who believe in Christ, who have received that redemption. We are called to be an honor to God's glory. We are called to live in a way that brings about God's big plan. If you have said yes to Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, you are invited to be a part of the master plan of this world. And you know what that master plan is? Remember what it is? It is to bring all things together in Christ. 
things in heaven and things on earth. You and I are invited to join God in his holy work in the universe. To bring everything. So when you ask the question of what's God's plan for my life, and you immediately think, oh, this is about my job, or oh, this is about where I'm going to live, or oh, this is about... No, 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 no. All of that is now under the plan of bringing all things together in Christ. So your relationships and your job and your schools and your finances and, your, and the world that you live in, the environment, the, the, the possessions that you have been given, the very actions that you have, the way that you see the world, all of it is now a part of the plan to bring all things under Christ. Yes. Yes, Paul reminds them of what God has done. But this should inspire us to know what to do going forward. People in Christ are the signs to the rest of the world that this glorious future is on the way. The Spirit is God's presence upon us, enabling us to be that sign. So how do you begin to be a sign that really all this is happening? Well, what do you think it takes to bring everything under Christ? Is it by being divisive? Is it by being hateful? Is it by being winners? Is it by these things that we so see in the world as virtues and values? Or does it look like the one who has saved us? Who's the one who brought us under Christ? Jesus. Jesus Christ himself. So we begin to live like Jesus to do exactly what he did. And so you, you who are here today, the church, we have a divine plan and calling upon our lives. And we must live it to bring everything under Christ. Jay Sundberg says this, so to be the church is to be on the journey to fulfill the mystery of God's will. It's our calling. Our role is to be the physical body of Christ to bring unity to all things in heaven and on earth under Christ. This is beyond political progress or national identity. The church has a new identity and a new mission in the world. We are the body of Christ bringing everything in heaven and on earth together under the lordship of Christ. So when Jesus says, go and make disciples of all nations... We recognize that every single person ha should have the opportunity to follow Jesus, and so we go and do those things. And it's like when Jesus says, blessed are the poor in spirit, that he begins to show that really every single person, even the people that we look down on, that society looks down on, 
that we leave behind is to be loved and cherished and to be given what they need for life and to serve them. And it means taking up the divine calling upon humanity to steward the things that we have in this world. And yes, that's not just relationships and people. That is what you have and the world that we live upon. Creation care is a part of our divine calling. All of it. You know why? Because he's the Lord of it. And what he desires is what we begin to live out. To bring all things underneath him. I think the lens through which we can begin to understand this, friends, is a word that is used often in church, but not always in the world. But it is defined by the very first verse we read here. Bless the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. Maybe your translation says, praise be to God the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. You know what that sentence is? When you give praise, when you give blessings to God, you know what that is? It starts with a W. It's worship. We begin to live out this reality by worshiping God. Now, immediately what we do is we confine worship to coming to church and singing songs and praying and reading our Bibles. And these are disciplines that are worshipful. But those are not the only things that are worship. Actually, everything that you do in life is worship. The lens of how you live your life shows what you worship. And if you are worshiping God, the Lord Jesus Christ, over the entire universe, and the plan is to bring everything under him, then your life, your relationships, the way you treat others, the way you serve others, the way you talk to others, all of it, the way that you steward, the way that you treat things in the environment and things in the world, shows what you worship. And this is why Jesus says radical things like, hey, love your enemy. Because you know what? If you're worshiping Jesus, then you will love your enemy. Because the point of the entire, the point of the cross and the point of the resurrection is to bring all things under him. You can't unify the world if you hate your enemy. You can't. All you will do is you will pull, push yourself away from them more and more and self-justify your own life as opposed to them. It's why he is so radical and say, would you love the least of these? Those who have put themselves in the worst positions of their lives. Well, they're addicts or they're homeless because it was their own decision. Stop. Treat them with love and treat them and serve them and care for them. 
There are enemies in a world that is being put under Jesus Christ. There is only love and peace, hope and joy, truth and holiness. N.T. Wright says this, Worship for Christians will almost always involve telling the story of what God has done in and through Jesus. So if worship is everything that you and I do, what does your life say about Jesus? How is the way that you treat that annoying person at work, what does that say about Jesus? How is the way that you live in relationship with family members, what does that say about you? What does that say about Jesus and what he's done in your life? How you spend your money, how you work even, what what does that say about Jesus in your life? Does it say anything? Or does it say that you're self-centered? Does it say that, well, my plans are the most important thing in the entire world? You see, the plan is shared by Paul so that every part of our lives can be put under Christ and that we would worship Christ in every part of our lives. Job, family, friends, enemies, community, nation, world, universe. It gets big really fast. We're all disturbed by all the UFO reports. Guess what? If aliens are real, you got to treat them like your neighbor, y'all. <laughs> it's okay. You can laugh at it. It's all right. Because he's Lord of all of that as well. In high school, I was a part of a number of music groups. Concert band, marching band, jazz band, orchestra, choir. Okay, sorry. I, I, was, I did a lot of music in high school. <laughs> and in each group, I was given a part, a plan, an individual plan. Now, in band, I played saxophone, a number of different saxophones. If you know anything about how band arrangements are put together, saxophones don't get the melody very often. We're often doing the harmonies. We're often creating the the bigness of the sound, right? Oftentimes it would be the clarinets or the flutes or the trumpets that would be carrying the melodies a lot of the time. And my part would tell me exactly what to play and how loud to play it And if I play too loud in a certain part, guess what? The melody might be drowned out because I'm being, well, I'm being too arrogant and saying, my part's the most important part here. (laughs) Or when we're singing, right? In the same kind of way. I was a baritone. I wasn't a soprano. I wasn't an alto. Poor altos. Altos never got the parts, never got the melodies. Pray for altos. If you know any altos, pray for them. But in the same way, 
I had to follow the part that was given to me because I was a part of something larger than myself. Do you see that? And if I think I'm so arrogant and the world needs to go this way and everything that I think, guess what? I'm going to be playing really loud whenever the trumpets have the melody over here. And it's the same way when it comes to our lives in God. God, what about my individual life? And God says to us, here's the plan. Wherever you're at and whatever happens to you, Know that everything is to move forward, that everything would come underneath me as Lord of the universe. So you want to know what to do with your life? You want to know what to do with your plan, with what's God's plan for your life? Love people. Be peacemakers. Bring forgiveness into the world that nobody really wants to hold on to. Serve those who are not who don't have enough. Steward the resources that you have. Stop sinning. Don't support lies about the world. Don't make enemies. See, God's plan for your life is to bring everyone together in unity under Christ. Yes, he might give you some guidance into your job, or, or how you might do it according to the talents that he has given you. Yes, that is a part of it, but I think we, we overcomplicate it too much. God's plan for your life is to be faithful to him and to participate in the kingdom that he has brought. May we have the humility to follow that plan, to play our instruments softer whenever God is working in a different section of the world and to be obedient when he says play and go go and be my disciples wherever we are thanks for listening to champion church of the nazarene's weekly sermon podcast we hope you are inspired by this week's message we'd love for you to join us on a sunday morning at 10 30 a.m we are located at 3924 High Street Northwest in Warren, Ohio. You can also join us on Facebook Live. For more information about our ministries, or if you'd like to contribute to our ministries online, visit us at championnaz.org.